Scaling Up Nation, before we start today's episode, I do have some news to share with all of you. Paul Pecorius, who many of you know or have read something that he has published, passed away on March 29th this year, and uh, his funeral was just this past Saturday, April 6, 2019. So uh, for everybody out there, if you will, uh, uh, send some thoughts to Paul's family. Paul, you might have known, was a pioneer in water treatment. I'm willing to bet that you have used something that Paul has touched in your regular day-to-day if you are an industrial water treater. He's authored over 150 technical papers. He was a past president of the Cooling Technology Institute, and he served on so many committees that include the National Association of Corrosion Engineers, the American Water Works Association, the Water Reuse Association, and of course, we know him from the Association of Water Technologies, which is where I had the pleasure of meeting Paul. Now, if you listen to show 24, that's scalinguph2o.com forward slash 24, entitled The One With All the Questions, that's where I specifically sent a shout out to Paul Pecorius wanting to know where his formula was derived from with the practical or Pecorius scaling index. I've heard it spoken both ways. Some people call it the PS, everybody calls it the PSI. Some people call it the practical scaling index. Some people call it the Pecorius. I'm going to say that since Paul's no longer with us, we all call it the Pecorius scaling index now since he was the one that came up with that. If you're wondering what that is, and since I have it right here in front of me, it's the sac saturation pH, which is uh, at what pH the system is where you're neither dissolving or precipitating calcium carbonate. And then what Paul did is he multiplied that by two, and then he subtracted the pH of equilibrium. And this is what I so badly wanted to ask Paul. The pH of equilibrium formula is 1.465 times the log of the M alkalinity and then that quantity is added to 4.54. Now, I don't know where he got those constants, the 1.465 or the 4.54. Now, I did get the opportunity to speak with Brent Shettle at an AWT function, and he told me that the 4.54 was just to get it up in the scale where the equation actually made sense. And I thought that was some great information. I was actually hoping for a little bit more than that, but he told me that's what it was because he was around when Paul was developing that. Many of us use that formula. So I just wanted to let the Scaling Up Nation know that something that uh, we use on a regular basis and probably something that we've read in the past, the gentleman that was the contributor of that, he has passed away. And folks, if you know somebody in water treatment that has just been in water treatment for a very long time, please take the opportunity to get to know them, to pick their brains. We are not going to have the ability to always speak to these individuals. So Paul, thanks for all you did. And the Scaling Up Nation, we're going to miss you.
Welcome to Scaling Up H2O, the podcast for the water treatment industry. Hello, everybody. Trace Blackmore here, your host for Scaling Up H2O, the podcast where we're scaling up on knowledge so you don't scale up your systems. Folks, how are you today? Thank you so much for listening to Scaling Up H2O. Thank you so much for telling people about Scaling Up H2O. I love it when more people are added to the Scaling Up Nation and you fine folks of the nation are helping me do that each and every day. Thank you for that. We are in 57 countries around the world. I can't tell you how humbled I am to that number that my voice here in Atlanta, Georgia is reaching people all over the world. And of course, we all have the same things in common because we are all water treaters. So how does that make you feel? The next time that you feel like you're alone, the next time you come across a water treatment issue, just think there is somebody just like you dealing with that similar issue in another part of the world. Folks, we are all water treaters. We are the scaling up nation. We are water treaters uniting, and we together are making the water treatment industry better. Of course, we would not have a job if it were not for water. Water, the most incredible substance on the planet Earth. No matter what country you're listening to Scaling Up H2O in, you need water to live. And folks, the simple fact is we all do not have equal access to water when it comes to our life needs. There are many people on the planet that just don't have clean drinking water. And I know we don't think about that a lot because we turn the faucet on and plenty of water is coming out and we use water in our day-to-day -day jobs. Folks, that is a privilege and not everybody has it. Our guest today is Carolyn Mube of Pure Water for the World. And folks, I first learned of Pure Water for the World from an AWT convention that I went to and Pure Water of the World was the group that the AWT, the Association of Water Technologies, has chosen to support and I knew nothing about them. And the first thing that I thought was this has nothing to do with industrial water treatment. So why are we getting involved with this? Well, when I started listening to their story, and what they do in certain parts of the world with things that we take for granted each and every day. Well, folks, I started listening. And I had that opportunity because I asked and somebody like Carolyn explained their story to me. So you're gonna get that opportunity today to hear what Pure Water of the World actually does and why they have partnered with the Association of Water Technologies. And I'm hoping by the end of this interview, you're gonna change your perspective that water is just something that we take for granted, that water is a gift that we need to make sure that everybody on this planet has access to. So I hope you enjoy my interview with Carolyn Mube. My lab partner today is Carolyn Mube of Pure Water for the World. How are you, Carolyn? I am wonderful today, thank you, Trace. 
Well, I want to thank you for coming on Scaling Up H2O. There are a lot of people that met you last year or met people that work with you last year and this year at the Association of Water Technologies Annual Convention and Expo. But there are a lot of people out there that have questions about what pure water for the world is. And I'm hoping that that's what we can clear up today. I hope so as well. So let's just start with that. Um, what is pure water for the world? Pure Water for the World is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to improve the life and health of children and families in mostly primarily rural dispersed areas in developing countries through the intervention of safe drinking water, the installation in the building of toilets, and the all-important hygiene education. I think the point where there's the linkage is that if you look at water as a flow, um, as it flows down, you know, a river, that we're dealing with water at different points, that we all are part of trying to solve a, a water solution. The members of AWT have obviously at a more technical, more advanced level, but we're at we're really starting at the beginning dealing with people who have water, it's contaminated, and they get sick and in some cases die. What AWT members, if you go further down the flow, is they're much more technical, but we're all part of really the same the same chain in that we are trying to find solutions, water solutions that, in our case, improve the lives of um, children and their families. And the AWT members are trying to improve the profitability of industries through the intervention of, of a complex water filtration system or through some other application. I think that's very well said. You know, water is life. And if we don't treat that as the valuable commodity that it is, we are not going to have life on this planet. So whether the AWT member, the industrial water treater is dealing with it from a process standpoint to, you know, third world countries, as you mentioned, where, you know, we all need water to live, we're all dealing with water. So the partnership absolutely makes sense. Now, I'm curious, how did Pure Water for the World and AWT come to find themselves as partners? My understanding is, so maybe been oh, over three years ago, there was a conversation within AWT uh, they were having a strategic planning session, and they say, we, you know, they said we're an association that deals with water. Why don't we find a charity partner? And at that point, then Heidi Zimmerman, the executive director, um, and her staff, and there was so there was a process where they vetted, they they did research, and then they vetted out a certain number of organizations. And I think why we were selected from all the many different um, nonprofit players in this sector is that Pure Water is flexible. We could tailor programs to fit the uh, needs of the members so there would be easier entry points into involvement in our programs and involvement what we do. And I think that they liked that we were attuned to their needs as opposed to just our needs. 
Well, let me ask the other side of that. How do you feel AWT has been as far as a partner? Oh, I think they it's been a wonderful partnership, Heidi, and then two of the Pure Water staff that really nurture those relationships. I think it's been very beneficial. There's been business owners and employees of AWT members that have been either to Haiti or to Honduras. There's an appreciation, that, you know, so there's a, that awareness. Then there's AWT members have helped us and we've had some technical questions. And we value that the relationship with AWT and work hard to earn that imprimatur that we received about three years ago. So we're very pleased with it. Carolyn, how about we talk about specifically what Pure Water for the World does and how somebody listening in the Scaling Up Nation can help? Sure. Pure Water's work is like in any business has really evolved over time. Initially, it was started because it was um, certainly a need for intervention of clean, safe drinking water in rural Central America. A medical doctor went down to El Salvador and saw that they could keep going back year and after year and be treating the same problem, waterborne diseases. So it was a Rotary Club member who went back, got his Rotary Club involved. And we believe that the most marginalized people in Central America are the rural dispersed people, people that don't live in what we think of a, of a small, even a small village. They're very dispersed. And we initially, we gave them the means of safe drinking water. We work with people who have water. It's contaminated. So we use something what's a, a generic term, which is called household water treatment, which is we use a biosand filter that goes into the home. People go to their shallow well or to their source of water stream, collect the water, and then pour it into the filter. And then what we realized is, as we probably all have experiences, we get something, we think we really know how to use it, but it isn't having the benefits that we wanted. And so Pure Water over the years has really grown and expanded our education program because we're in the business of changing habits. We know the filter, if they use it correctly, the water can meet World Health Organization standards, but the water I care about is the water people drink. And so we do a lot of education and training. So we do a complete wash program in homes, which in Honduras is toilets, safe water, hygiene education. We also focus on schools uh, because we believe it's a community solution. So the most vulnerable people in in this these communities are the younger children, children who um, are under the age of five. So that's why we provided it the homes. But if children go to school and they don't have safe drinking water there to stay healthy, you need to be drinking clean water, safe water all the time. So we do comprehensive program, hand washing station, gender specific toilets for the schools, uh, because there is a strong link between uh, when girls, if they don't have a private place for cleanliness and for personal hygiene, when their period starts, they tend to drop out of school and girls who drop out of school start having children younger. So we have a, a very 
very comprehensive menstrual hygiene program in the schools. We've worked with the Ministry of Education in Honduras to try to change the curriculum instead of asking teachers to add something else, is to change some of the curriculum like math, like one bar of soap in one bar of soap equals two bar of soap. So it's incorporate the hygiene messages are incorporated into the regular curriculum. All of this works only with the support of the community. The community has to want the solution. They have to they have to be willing to put some money into it as an investment. They need to work into it. And the families and the teachers have to go to education. It only works because the community wants wants it. And in both Haiti and Honduras, where we work, we have waiting lists for communities and schools who have asked for help. That's what we do in in a nutshell. That's amazing. I mean, we don't think over here that a woman on her menstrual cycle would drop out of school because of all the conveniences we have there. But just that thing and and what you guys are doing and how you're changing an entire culture where she can stay in school and not, not have children too early so she can't go to school. I'm just so amazed by that. I didn't know that at all. Um, well, the funny thing is, and I'll try to be brief on this, the U.S. office is in Vermont, and we, um, where there's myself and two other full-time employees uh, and a part-time person. And so I had this idea that this is about four years ago. We need to do a menstrual hygiene program. So I let the Honduras staff know, and I couldn't figure out what was taking so long. should seem to be easy. And what they did in Honduras is they had focus groups because they just couldn't march into schools and say, we're going to do a menstrual hygiene program because the teachers and the parents would think they were talking about sex. So we had focus groups with boys and men and with women and girls and talked about what we were trying to accomplish. And all I could think about is I could never in a million years imagine my father in the 60s with going to talk to a group of men about his wife and his two daughters, periods. I don't, I don't think it would have ever happened yet in Honduras. The men didn't know much about it, and they were so appreciative of trying to understand what goes on. How about that? You mentioned that uh, originally doctor would go over there and they were treating the same things over and over again that were brought on by waterborne pathogens. Uh, how many years have you guys been doing this? And then what have you seen as a result? Well, Pure Water, when it was a Rotary Club project, started with the Brattleboro Vermont Rotary Club in the mid-1990s. And Pure Water got launched, so say, let's say, from 2000 to now. What we have found is that we work with health clinics to find out what the rate of reported diarrheal cases are. So a lot of it at this point is anecdotal. Um, We know we do water quality testing of the source water and of the filtered water. And we know if the filters are working correctly, then the people are drinking safe drinking water. So we, we talk to the teachers to find out what school enrollment is. The, hospital near Troas, Honduras. We work with them. We're working with the health clinics to see if they report a an improvement in health. And we're starting to do, just when you think, you know, 
oh, I think this is it for the program. What's wonderful about Pure Water is that we learn that we're missing something. So how do we incorporate it? So we, when a community approaches us, we do a needs assessment. We do a census of the homes and the number of children and the women to men and what their water source is. And we do, a, but we haven't asked you know, we ask peripheral questions about the health, but we are beginning to add in another dimension. Uh, for for example, of young children, you take a measurement of the circumference of their arm, and then you go back over time, and that you can tell how the child is developing. Because if you look at water as a calorie, and you're living in a rural dispersed area where you, your food may be limited because of income or agriculture, but you have you have food, but if you drink contaminated water and you end up with diarrhea, the nutrients that you consumed in the fo- food is not helping the body. And so, their children who are malnourished can get be it is something called stunting, where is their body, their their brain, their bones don't grow at the rate they should. And even if at age six or seven, you start drinking clean, safe drinking water, you can never recover that, what you lost in those early years. So we're hoping to, you know, through going in and doing poops, we've done poop specimens in the past where you've checked um, the the fecal matter of family members for parasites, and then you can go back in and check it again. So we're going to start that up again. So we have seen success, and the biggest success is that we have communities in the areas that we work that come to us and say, we're willing to do whatever it takes to get you to come to our community. How about that? Now, you mentioned there's a a waiting list. How do you decide where's the next place you're going to go? Well, there's several factors. First is if we knew there was a, a health issue, there was a lot of diarrheal issues, we would go back to that community that you know so health trumps everything and then we may because this is really dispersed i mean it can take up to four or five hours just to get there in the morning and so staff has to spend the night so i mean this is really really rural in honduras and not quite as rural in haiti but it could be logistics or maybe three or four communities in the same area that we would work in so health trumps it then you have to look at some logistical issues and then everything being equal. The lowest thing would be, you know, first in the in the door. But, um, you know, we don't want somebody that's community that's asked two years ago and just for no reason go to somebody that just asked yesterday. But health trumps it all. For myself, it's hard to visualize what somebody would actually do when they're on a trip working with you. Can we describe once we get into Honduras or once we get into Haiti, what happens then? I think the first, I'm trying to think back to the first time I went. And if you've, if people have not been to developing countries, um, I think that in some cases your, your senses are just sort of overloaded what you see. In Honduras, you see beauty and you see poverty. Haiti, there's some beauty there. We work more, you know, closer, you know, to the Port au Prince area, but it's still beautiful. And then I think slowly over time, some of your preconceived ideas are sort of sort of checked. And those are the personal stories and everybody's different. But what people will experience is 
think the first thing is that because they're water professionals and they know the issues that they deal with daily in their profession, I think what they're going to realize if they go to Haiti or Honduras is there's challenges they've never thought of. I think going there, you see that it's different. The challenges of working in these countries, particularly the rural areas, are something that we don't don't deal with. So what would people do to see that? So they, it's a real immersion. They see water in a different light from how they see it professionally. They will, in some cases, process the sand that goes in the biosand filter. They will also, in Honduras, help build latrines, toilets at schools. They'll install filters. They'll be part of a program where we, once people have the filter for a while, then there's another education session, and then we give out some parasite medicine with the people from the health clinic. So it's a total immersion. People on trips are with their contemporaries. They also experience, um, you go into people's homes, you get a sense what life is like. Um, and you'll just realize that how different it is that the water treatments that each of us do, I mean, AWT members in the industrial sense and pure water on the basic health level, you know, it looks different. We'll see that the treatments and, and what needs to be done, but you see, you know, they'll see, they'll actually see and experience that flow of water, as I mentioned earlier, at the beginning end, and they really will understand that their challenges. I mean, for example, you know, you have some political unrest, so you've got it, you know, and it's safe, but you deal with that if you're in Haiti at a certain time. If it rains, you have to deal with roads that are impassable, or you see cows blocking your way and you have to wait, or somebody's afraid of voodoo on the staff and you have to sort of help them. So there are a lot of challenges and it's different. What, what we do is different. How they live is different. And that's not a value, it's just different. And I think it gains an appreciation for the dignity of the Haitians and the Hondurans. And I think they will see that. And to me, that's the most important thing. What are some of the comments that people have made based on going and working with you and coming back and now having that new perspective? Well, Mark, the former president of AWT, said that it was very eye-opening for him because he saw challenges that he never thought of until he went to Haiti. Other experiences that, um, other quotes I've seen, and this is not an AWT member, but uh, there were three girls from Burlington, Vermont, that went down, high school girls that went down to Haiti, and they went to City Soleil, and um, they met with a former country director who's still friendly with pure water. And he said to the girls, what are you been to city lake? So like, what are you going to do about it? And one of the high school students, Hannah Fisher said, I didn't know I was supposed to do anything. And these girls went home and raised $90,000. Wow. I think it, and I think it's like an onion, you know, you peel has many layers and people, it changes them, but some, it may change dramatically. And other people just may be more in awareness. It's where they are in their life. Um, stories of saying that it was a life-altering experience that they really made them want to reflect on their own life and what we have um, versus what they have. And I think that those personal experiences 
are probably the most important and the most meaningful because they'll last for as long as you, you know, the, these experiences. We have wonderful quotes of people that go back year after year to these countries, and some people get heart hooked on Haiti or Honduras. So if people can go, if it's with Pure Water or somebody else, I think that going on a trip, some people call it a mission trip or a work trip, it's really an eye-opening experience. So let's talk about that. There's a listener out there, and they want to work with you. They want to go on one of these trips. How do they do that? Oh, we have um, an amazing website at purewaterfortheworld.org. And all they have to do is go on that. And, and I can give my phone number afterwards. But And then just click at info at send an email. Jamin gets it. Jamin Gilder is the program manager for Pure Water. She also manages the relationship with AWT. And she will connect you with a trip if once going. She's willing to try to put together a team of just AWT members, she and Natalie Pratt. Some of your listeners may have met both of them at um, in Orlando or Grand Rapids. So we are here to help customize what would work, what is practical and what would work for any of the listeners out there from going on a trip to saying, you know, how can I get involved? And certainly one is advocacy. Just learning about the global water problem helps increase awareness. It's increasing awareness about what pure water does um, specifically. A lot of fun things to do to encourage employees to get engaged, do a water walk. But the, the first point of entry is go to the website, go to info at purewaterfortheworld.org write to Jamin and she will get back to you and find out what your needs are and try to match your needs with what Pure Water is doing. I'll make sure to have all of that information on my show notes page so nobody has to take their hands off the wheel to write any of that down. Oh, please. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Let me ask you, what's the one thing that you want the Scaling Up Nation to know about Pure Water for the World? I think I said it in the beginning, and I'll maybe say it a different way, is for Scaling Up Nation, even though you may think where's the linkage between industrial water and safe drinking water, you know, we're sort of in the same industry, but doing different things. I think we have similar goals in improving the water that whatever your treatment for whatever processes, ours is treating water for health. There may be treating water to filter the best brewed beer. And the other thing I would like people to know is that even the smallest of contributions can make a difference. For as little as $25, a child can have safe, clean drinking water. For $300, a family could have safe drinking water. And for $4,000, a whole school could have toilets and hand washing stations and clean water and hygiene education, that any amount makes a difference. And I realize the businesses are large and small with AWT. And they, I think that's, that's really what I want to leave with, because if you change a difference in one child's life, that's one child whose life has been changed. And that is pretty terrific. Well, I think what you guys do is pretty terrific. And I want to thank you for coming on Scaling Up H2O and sharing it with the Scaling Up Nation. 
Well, I thank you for this opportunity, and I look forward to more, many more productive years with AWT. I'm willing to bet that you are going to think about water differently. Now, you have heard me say on so many of these podcasts that I believe that water treatment was the original green industry. We were saving water before anybody told us to save water. That's just part of our job. Well, now we realize what a valuable resource water is. And folks, when I go to building meetings where they are trying to get a building lead certified, they spend hours talking about toilets and shower heads and faucets, and we can save so much more just by making some very simple adjustments with our programs, providing we understand our programs well enough to make sure we're not creating any issues by doing that. But we have such an opportunity as industrial water treaters to save such a huge amount of water. And whether your goal is to save water so it can be used someplace else, or your goal is to save that customer money, the bottom line is, is that we are saving water. We're making the equipment cheaper to run. We're making it so water is available someplace else. And now after this interview, you're thinking that not everybody has the same access to water. Now, I know a few of the AWT members that have gone down on trips and produced some of the stations, some of the filters that Carolyn spoke about. So if you're interested in doing that, uh, you can go to purewaterfortheworld.org and they've got all of that information. Now, Carolyn is trying to get me to go on one of these trips. The idea was floated around that perhaps we do a scaling up trip. That is so far from any planning. Please, if you have any questions about that, I promise you I do not have any answers for that. But if you give Carolyn and her team a call and let her know that you're interested in that, if we get enough people interested in it, maybe we can put that together with them. I think that would just be an incredible service that us water treaters could provide to people that definitely could use that service. Again, any questions you have, go to purewaterfortheworld.org and you will learn everything you need to know about their organization. And if you want to go to our show notes page, we'll of course have all of that information and you'll see the show notes for today's episode. Folks, remember we are water treaters. We have such an opportunity not only to do our jobs, but to make our jobs change the world. And I know that sounds just over the top, but I tell you, when I'm in those meetings that I talked about earlier, and we're talking about saving, you know, a tenth of a gallon of flush or a gallon of flush, well, folks, we're talking about tens of thousands of gallons a day that we can save in their industrial utility equipment. So do not ever shortchange what it is that you do, because you can have a tremendous effect when it comes to saving this valuable resource that we're talking about, which, of course, 
versus water. And then you can actually get your hands involved in an organization where you're bringing water to people who desperately need it. Folks, thanks so much for listening. And I'll talk to you next week on Scaling Up H2O. 